however you're educating your children, your, your involvement as a parent is the number one predictor of success. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudoua, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So 2020, Andrew, this has been a remarkable year on so many levels. It's been really a crazy ride for our company. Remarkable sounds good in general. Yeah. Um, And it's been hard for so many. Yeah. But yes, uh, in terms of our work and um, homeschool publishers in general, it has been quite amazing. Yes. In terms of growth and people wanting to find out about what we're doing. Yes, uh, people being forced, in some ways, being forced to homeschool. They're looking for ways to help their children and discovering our writing methodology, which is, of course, fabulous for us, remarkable in the sense that we keep talking about it, not necessarily good or bad, but we certainly are talking about 2020. And I know this season in particular has been a little bit challenging for you because you have not had as many opportunities to travel, but you did get to travel to Virginia recently. Well, yeah, the the whole season, the whole year has been marked by the end of in-person conferences and the explosion of virtual events, Mm -hmm. online conferences, webinars, um, podcast invitations. Mm -hmm. um, And one of the the things I have enjoyed is, I think, meeting a lot of people who virtually, who I would not actually have had a chance to speak to in a normal year of running around to a dozen different cities. But today, we have a guest. We do have a guest. A special guest, one of my favorite people in the whole homeschooling world. You have lots of favorite people, Andrew. I I, I do, and I (laughs) wouldn't play favorites, but I can can safely say one of my favorites. Okay. And that is Ann Miller, the Mm -hmm. executive director of the Home Education Association of Virginia, most often referred to as HEAV, and by ignorant people as heave. Um, but Anne, welcome to the Arts of Language podcast. Thank you, Andrew. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. And how long have you been involved in homeschooling? And how long have you been involved in HEAV? And how long have you been the executive director? Well, we, my husband and I decided to homeschool in 1980. And we have been involved with HEAV since 1986 when we learned about the organization. And I have been uh, president and executive director, and I've been president for 26 years, and uh, executive director for the last nine years consecutively. Um, I have been the unpaid, untitled executive director in the past, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I have been the official executive director 
for about the last nine years. Okay, I'm having a little problem with the math here because if you say you've been homeschooling since 1980, that's 40, that's 40 years ago. Only last time I saw you, you only looked about 50 years old, <laughs> which would mean that you, how do you, you started homeschooling at 10? I mean, you've just you you must just look way younger than you are. And you have how many children? Thank you. <laughs> We have eight children, six boys and six two girls. Boys. And I've met a few of your children, and um, one of them is literally a rocket scientist. Uh, we have a lot of rocket scientists <laughs> in our family, lots of engineers, <laughs> NASA engineers and Virginia space engineers. Well, you know, I think probably – this is probably in the last five to ten years, we could safely say everyone knows someone who's homeschooling. If that wasn't true five years ago, it certainly is true now. Uh, and of course, not everyone who discovered that their children can't go to schools and need to stay home and do remote learning and they wanted to try and you know, work with that, help their kids, supplement. But we also, uh, I think, are seeing an increase in the awareness of the conversation regarding freedom in education and parental rights to direct and supervise the upbringing of children, especially as pertains to uh, education. I know our uh, Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, uh, has uh, had several meetings and discussions and webinars and things about about that. And uh, of all the state organizations that I know, in my opinion, Virginia is one of the best run. It is the most visible. Of course, you're right there next to D.C. And uh, Virginia is kind of a, a, a interesting state politically. So I thought maybe you could share with us, you know, first, what does a state organization do for people who are homeschooling? Uh, what does a state organization do for people who are coming into homeschooling? Uh, either tenuously or committed, and then in a broader sense, what does uh, HAV and other state homeschool organizations do to monitor legislation as it would affect parental rights in general? Well, those are good questions. Um, state organizations generally are there to provide accurate information um, and if anybody's been on Facebook for more than five minutes, uh, they know how hard it is to get accurate information about the law, about the requirements. So state organizations uh, provide accurate information. They also work to promote and protect homeschool freedoms. And they also equip and encourage families uh, in their homeschool journeys. And uh, so we are here year-round uh, 365 days a year, supporting families online through uh, accounts, phone counselors, and um, email, of course, doing whatever we need to do to help families homeschool their children. And so we're definitely here. We provide conventions and events and resources, field trips, all kinds of things year-round for homeschool families. And for those who are tenuously homeschooling or suddenly homeschooling or reluctantly homeschooling, we're here for you too. And uh, we have, uh, just in our, with our organization, our Facebook group has grown by about 6,000 families since COVID. 
and the families have come in. Uh, many were reluctant homeschoolers, or they were just looking to supplement or do the virtual education at home and maybe supplement beyond that. And uh, so we have just kind of come beside them on their homeschool journey, even if it's temporary, to uh, help them comply with the laws and uh, help them understand what they need to do so that they are in compliance and and then encourage them, help them to choose curriculum, help them to deal with children who are struggling learners or have special needs. There are often children who have been bullied that uh, have special needs as well that we we just try to come alongside parents and help them navigate learning in a in a new and different way. So Anne, when you say homeschooling, are you speaking about just mom or mom and dad or just dad sitting at home at the dining room table with their kids overseeing their education? I mean, is that like the stereotype homeschooler? I can just imagine some of our listeners who may not be fully aware of what homeschooling actually means. What is homeschooling, Anne? (laughs) Right. Homeschooling may be a bit of a misnomer. Right. (laughs) Because a lot of education doesn't happen in the home. Uh, when when we're teaching our children at home, we're actually the the world becomes our classroom. So home education, quote unquote, home education, <laughs> happens everywhere, and it can happen at the dining room table. It but it can happen uh, at the grocery store. It can happen in the community. It can happen while volunteering. Uh, there, the the world really becomes our classroom. And of course, there are so many more. Um, opportunities for both in-person community co-ops groups yes, uh, as yes. well as online classes and opportunities for people to connect with each other who aren't even in the same area. That's probably, I think, one of the biggest changes from when, uh, well, you were about 10 years ahead of me in 1980, <laughs> if I believe that, uh, and in the 1990s, <laughs> Uh, and compared to today. So, yeah, it, it is true. And we we had a group of people that was trying to look at kind of cooperating to reach out to parents in general. And one of the ideas was, you know, we, we were thinking billboards, ads, you know, stuff like that. But one of the ideas was every parent homeschools. Some do it all the time. You know, even when you put your children in a school, uh, you're you're still there to help them with their math homework or practice their spelling words with them or, uh, in many cases, you know, help them write their papers or do their research or talk to them about what they're reading. And so I think that's one thing that we have seen is, you know, with with the COVID, with the distance learning more and more parents have become more and more involved to a greater degree in their children's education, even if that is still being kind of officially administered remotely by a school or a school district. Yes. And, and you know, parental involvement is the number one predictor of success in education. And parents ha- were their children's first teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't go away. We're always teaching our children no matter where they go to school. Yes. 
And sometimes it continues on even into <laughs> adulthood when they go off to college and still have have questions. I, you know, I'd like to um, kind of ask you to give a perspective on the range of regulation as it occurs by state. If someone, you know, was unintentionally homeschooling, accidentally homeschooling, decided they liked that and then wanted to pursue formally withdrawing from a school or school district, that varies greatly by state, does it not? It does. Every state is different. Uh, there, there are similarities between states, but every state is different. And this is where I would encourage the listeners to contact their state organization. Just Google, you know, state organization in your state and contact them to find out what are the requirements in your state. Some states have a lot of requirements, and some states are moderate, and some states has, have very few requirements. And your state organization can plug you right in. Websites, our websites are chock full of information. I know during COVID, the average read time on our website has been between 23 and 48 minutes. Wow. <laughs> That's our read wow. time. So state organizations have lots of information online, and you can also contact them, email, phone, Facebook groups, and they can help you understand and navigate the not only the state law, but here in Virginia, every every school district is different, and, and they can have policies that change from district to district, and it's very helpful to have a state organization that has the big picture for the whole state that can help you understand what the requirements are in your locality and when when also when the requirements have been overstepped and what is required and what is not required by law. So and you talk about overstepping is it is it true that it's legal to homeschool in any state? Yes, all 50 Great. states. Yeah, homeschooling is legal in all 50 states, but the requirements and what you have to do mm-hmm. are different. And that's why it's important to connect with your state organization to find out, get accurate information to know what you have to do so that you are in compliance and uh, you don't have any trouble with school officials. And I I just want to make one other distinction before we continue this conversation. What we're talking about here primarily is private home education because there are many public school charter schools that also have home-based learning. Yes, Yes, and m- most of the state organizations are considered uh, parent-directed, parent-funded home education. Got it. yep. And of course, here at IEW, we support all pathways, whether it's private home education, public charter school, full-time schools, whether they're private or public schools. I mean, we just got something for everyone, don't we, Andrew? <laughs> well, and, and honestly, you know, one of the conversations that is happening with many state leaders and state organizations is that really the definition of mm-hmm. homeschooler is becoming kind of difficult. It's true. <laughs> it, it used to be kind of clear, cut and dry. Uh, and yet in our, in, in our work to serve all parents mm-hmm. well, just as the demographic has changed, the definition has also um, had to be a little bit more fluid. Uh, one thing that some states do which I think is particularly useful, is they try to have uh, area leaders uh, so that if you're in a particular city or county or area of a state, 
then uh, you can get connected with the other people in your area. Of course, some cities are big enough to have their own little homeschool organization. But uh, I know the states that that have that kind of regional extension and connection are very, very helpful to the new homeschoolers who are saying, hey, I think I want to do this. Is there anybody near me? Yes. uh, Many states are organized regionally, and they have regional leadership uh, that connects with the state organization and then connects with the families in their region. Um, Our organization, um, we don't have regional leaders, but we connect with hundreds of support groups and co-ops all throughout the state. So uh, most of the websites for the state organizations, if you go to the website, they'll also connect you to their regional leaders and to their and to local support groups. So you can find uh, groups that are in your area. It's a great, it, it's, it's wonderful to be able to connect locally and uh, get with families that are like-minded and wanting to follow the same journey. Although every family is unique, every, the way people teach their children at home, we have the freedom to be able to teach and train them in the way that we want to, which is, uh, which is one of the things the state organizations have stood for. Um, beginning back in the early 1980s, when there were no homeschool laws, and most of the state organizations have founding dates in the early to mid some late, but early to mid-80s is when um, state organizations began forming. Our organization began in 1983. There was no statute, but parents were being prosecuted for teaching their children at home. And, and that's, that happened nationwide. So these organizations began autonomously throughout the nation to promote homeschooling freedom and to fight for that freedom. And and then in the subsequent years to maintain that, we've been here to maintain that freedom and to continue the legacy of freedom to teach and train our children uh, for 40 years. And, and that's <laughs> uh, closely connected with the support and efforts of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which is in your home state there. But uh, I think all people coming into home education would do well to check out the hslda.org because they also have so many resources to offer, which kind of brings me to the other aspect of the activity of a state organization. I think a lot of people think, oh, what, you know, Florida state organization or Virginia state organization or California or any of those states, what they do is they have a convention and and, and that's (laughs) kind of – that's their function. That's their purpose for existence. But there are, uh, of course, this year, almost no states had any conventions at all. And you in Virginia had to cancel, as most states. But you said, we're going to pull this together, bring in some speakers, and do a live virtual broadcast out. You networked with a lot of other state organizations. And I had the privilege of being part of that. Um, I think it was homeschooling with confidence. And that was a tremendous uh, success as far as I can tell. I loved being there and the feedback was excellent. And uh, so you you kept going there. Uh, I know that everyone is hoping 2021 will kind of go back to normal and we can all be together in one room. Mm -hmm. But, But on the 
on, on the kind of hidden side, you have people, and I'm assuming, you know, in Virginia and almost everywhere, it's just entirely volunteer, who do some hard work just kind of monitoring state legislation and proposals that might affect parents' rights and freedoms to educate their children as they see fit. What does that look like and how hard is it to keep track of your state government? Oh, it is definitely a challenge. Um, And some states have their legislature running all year round. In Virginia, we don't have that. Um, Although this year we've had uh, a couple of special sessions. We're still in a special session right now. But it is challenging. We usually read about three or 4,000 bills a year looking for anything that might affect homeschooling. Um, and we have to look in a lot of different places. So we go through all the bills. We have bill readers. Um, and then we have team that uh, analyzes the bills and talks with the legislators to see what the intent is on their bill and, uh, and, and trying to determine whether or not it could adversely affect us. And I will say legislators often unwittingly introduce legislation that would impact homeschool families and they didn't even know it. And so we're looking out for those kinds of things as well as uh, legislation that would come through that could negatively impact us. And uh, so it's a bit, it's a big job, and thankfully it's not the uh, the bill reading typically is a shorter term here in Virginia, but not everywhere. It's a lot of work, and most state organizations are volunteer run, and have very few paid staff, but they're committed, they're dedicated, and I know a lot of families who are helping to run their state organizations are longtime homeschoolers, although we do see the next generation coming up and understanding how important our freedoms are. But not having conventions this year has been a challenge because most homeschool organizations run on a shoestring, (laughs) maybe half a shoestring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And conventions and events that we plan are a huge portion of our budget. And I know for Virginia... Our convention is almost 60% of our annual budget. So not having a convention has had a drastic impact on our organization. And that is the same for all organizations across the country. This has been a very challenging year uh, financially without having the conventions and the events that support the work that we do year-round. So you've uh, had to reach out, really, and think of other forms of revenue stream, looking at fundraising perhaps in a broader sense. And one thing I try to do as I talk to people all over the country is say, you know, whether you think you need the homeschool group, you know, your homeschool organization, your state organization, whether you think you need their services or not, shouldn't be the factor that causes you to decide whether to join Uh, and, you know, pay membership dues or whatever. But do you believe in what this organization is doing? You know, we, we Americans are the most generous people on earth. We, we contribute more in charity and to causes that we believe in, really than any other country per capita, at least that's what I've heard. I haven't done the research myself, but that's what I've heard. And so 
you know, I would like to encourage, you know, everyone directly homeschooling or not. And, and there's a lot of people who may be aligned with the values of parental rights. There's probably a great number of grandparents out there uh, who aren't homeschooling their children because their children are all grown up. But, you know, I, as a grandparent, I would support our state organization. I believe I am actually a member of Virginia organization, even though I don't live there, because I, because I believe, you know, in what you do and that it's important to support those groups that support the freedoms that I cherish as an American. So how have you kind of reached out perhaps to the broader population to say, hey, we are HEAV and this is what we stand for. And whether you're homeschooling or not, you're welcome to support us. Yeah, I would say that we have in this time of COVID, especially our our message and the work that we do has come to be better understood by parents who normally would not be homeschooling and they're realizing they have more freedom than they ever imagined. And they're beginning to recognize the work of state organizations for, you know, almost 40 years in um, uh, gaining those freedoms and also maintaining those freedoms. And I, I have to say, honestly, we have not done a big campaign to families who are not considering homeschooling or who have homeschooled in the past. Uh, we do we do media interviews and radio interviews, things like that, but we have never done any kind of a campaign outside the homeschool community or the potential homeschool community uh, during COVID uh, for support. <laughs> this could be a new idea, <laughs> Well, you know, I, I know that it was kind of funny because uh, HSLDA, did a fairly aggressive online advertising campaign. And it was interesting. It wasn't targeting homeschoolers to say, join HSLDA uh, so that if you have a legal problem, we can help you. It was basically just saying, send $10 to support homeschool freedom. Uh, and, and it was a very generalized. And it, I was like, it was pretty – they hit me really well with that Google AdWords or whatever. I was reminded about five times every day, <laughs> you know, support homeschool freedom. So I'm hoping that uh, our listeners today, uh, homeschooling or not, uh, certainly those who are homeschooling, if you're not aware of your state organization, find out. Uh, almost every state has one, even smaller states like Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't necessarily – have conventions anymore. I know Kentucky, uh, they don't have a convention anymore, but they still have an organization, Louisiana, uh, very active there. So find the state organization and just learn about it. And then if you're not a member, you know, seriously consider uh, supporting that. I'm just boggled by the idea of of you've got people who can read 3,000 bills a year because that's like (laughs) 10 a day. And sometimes these things are pages and pages or dozens or Mm -hmm. maybe a hundred pages long. So that's an incredible level of commitment, as you said, by volunteers. And uh, every state has laws coming in 
at that rate or maybe a, a little faster uh, for a bigger state. Hopefully in states like ours, a little slower um, <laughs> here in Oklahoma. But, you know, it's the price of freedom is vigilance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, parents who have their children in charter schools or parents who have their children in private schools or hybrid schools, those are also uh, an expression of parental rights and mm-hmm. education freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, you know, even people in that category should say, aha, you know, I want to support uh, this group in my state that is doing so much to to protect and maintain those freedoms. So I commend you and HEAV, and I know several of your team, wonderful, wonderful group, and uh, I thank you so much for all that you do, and uh, I, I hope that the next this next year, things will come back to a point where we can all be in one room uh, and experience the joy that that engenders, and if there's anything you know, that IEW can do for you. You know, I've tried to communicate this to all of the, the state leaders. You know, just ask. We mm-hmm. we want to get the word out and support and be sure that you don't, you know, shrink because of revenue problems, brainstorming ways to reach out and continue to do the very important work that you do. Well, thank you, Andrew. And you have been, and IEW, you have been incredible supporters of state organizations. I don't know a single state organization that would say otherwise. Um, You have championed us, you have encouraged us, you have supported us financially, and um, we are very grateful for your vision and for your support and encouragement. And uh, your website is heav.org, is that correct? Yes, HEAV.org. Good, and we will put links to all the state organizations that we know of in the show notes. Yep. Can, can we do that? Absolutely. So that, you know, wherever you are listening to us today, from Maine to Texas to Alaska, uh, we will try and um, give you a direct, easy contact. And if for some reason we missed your state, uh, again, as Ann said, do a web search uh, and you should be able to find out um, groups uh, anywhere. And there's even homeschooling groups in U.S. protectorates, mm-hmm. I understand, as well. Yes, so. yes. And many, many military families as well. We are, um, we are just, we've begun working with the military liaisons, the homeschool liaisons, and we support families all over the world. Great. So as Andrew said, we'll be sure and put links to all these resources in the show notes. And Anne, I just want to ask you to say one more time that quote that you gave about the importance of parental involvement, because I think that is just a great way to end this podcast. Yes. And research shows that the number one predictor of success for children is parental involvement. So whether you're homeschooling or after schooling or you're virtual schooling, however you're educating your children, your, your involvement as a parent is the number one predictor of success in their lives. Right, exactly. And I love that. And let's all work together to continue to champion our parents to be able to do that very thing. Thank you, Anne. You're welcome.
Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.